Welcome to the Draw.Biz Podcast, your weekly dose of fantasy footy content. G'day everyone and welcome back to another edition of the Draft Doctors. I'm your host, Stevie Fizz, and massive things, massive things in the footy world. But of course, this is the Draft Doctors podcast, so we're here to talk about Gislaine going to trial. Very exciting times. And a man who is across all things Maxwell murder, Statesman. Uh, <laughs> Statesman, he's back. I certainly am back. And a, a mini, mini celebration. I've actually got myself a nice big glass, as you can see, mate. A nice big glass of water. But uh, celebrating, um, seeing this podcast comes out in December, this is the celebration of six years of Stato on the Draft Doctors. Can you believe that you guys have been going for seven-plus years? No, I can't. It's, um, it's a long it's time, shocking. buddy. It, the thing that I always just go, I, I look at uh, Baby Fears and she wasn't born and now she, she's going to school next year. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. So, that's wild, right? Anyway. So how's life up in the, uh, the, the lovely territory? It's hot. Yep. It's damn hot. Um, actually, we had a beautiful day yesterday and it only got to 28 degrees. So it was, uh, it was like a little break in the heat. It was beautiful. Just so much rain come through. So we're getting really close to that monsoon season. And once, once that comes, you start getting a bit cooler evenings when a storm passes through late in the afternoon. And they're beautiful because uh, we've been getting very hot and sticky weather between 35 and 37 degrees. And boy, that is hot. Yeah, no, I'd cracked 21 down here in Portland today. And uh, it, was, it was perfect. That's what you want in Portland, just 21. That's, cool. that's it. Well, up in Darwin, you get this eight-week period where everyone complains about the heat, and you just sort of think, well, you sort of live in Darwin. What are, what are, you, what are you sort of expecting? But um, the build-up, you can have some bad days. So, um, yeah, it's a bit sticky, it's a bit hot, and uh, you sit out the balcony at 10 o'clock at night, and you just feel the sweat dripping down your hair. Um, yeah, it can be a bit much at sometimes, but God bless air conditioners, eh? Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of all things cool, the franchise went number one in the AFL draft as expected. Uh, Stato, you're probably more of a draft watcher than me. I'm, I'm not really a massive fan of it. What were your takeaways? Yeah, some real talent coming through this year. But the, the, the issue is um, we can get really excited, but there's some, some of them there's not enough exposed form. So... I think when you look at it, you've got to have a real deep dive when you go into your draft, especially your, your keepers and your dynasty leagues, because you actually got to have a look at uh, uh, a few years of history rather than just the 12 months as we normally do. But I think there's some absolute gems there, but just be careful uh, when you start drafting these. Make sure you, you're selecting a quality player going into a team who's got opportunities um, so certainly I won't give too much away, but there's one player that I'm sort of eyeing off that was uh, later in the top 10, and uh, if I've got to pick three or four, I'll be uh, jumping a little bit early because he's an accumulator that is um, not uh, well going to a, a club where he's going to get opportunities straight away. So he's going to give you a return straight away and be a big stat man later on. Yeah, opportunity is absolutely king, and when it meets with talent, hoo boy, 
that is fantasy gold. Uh, I think this year, in, in just in AFL fantasy, we saw so many guys who you know you weren't weren't exactly cream of the crop, uh, high draft picks who were, were leading the way just through sheer opportunity. Yep, absolutely. And I think you also find in this year's draft because you've had those. Um, uh, NAB league competitions effectively closed for almost two years. So there's a bit of under-16 form that people have uh, picked them up on, that there's going to be some diamonds in the rough. So you're going to be a few that are picked in the 30s and 40s are going to be absolute rippers in AFL fantasy. I think uh, I did a thing uh, with the, the draft stars where the, the guys who are playing their first game, if they're 20 or older as opposed to... Uh, a teenager, they, they'd average twenty points more. Uh, I'm not sure if that's if that's still a thing. Maybe it was just a one year thing. But are there any mature recruits, Stato, that caught your eye? Yeah, absolutely. West Coast have got a ripper through Suviaco, um, uh, best on ground in the uh, Waffle Grand Final. He's uh, 24 years of age, and one thing West Coast Eagles are looking for is midfielders. So he's going to be an absolute ripper. That's chalk I'm talking about. Uh, I think he is going to be an absolute bargain in the drafts because he'll walk straight in and play good footy. Yeah, and uh, who could forget Levi Casbolt going to the Suns? Just uh... yeah. <laughs> hey, what about Charlie? Is uh, is this Farini v Charlie? Is that what's going to happen, Constable? Oh, I don't. I don't understand why. Like they didn't play Brody. Why are they going to play Constable? Yeah, I just because Green uh, Greenwood left, I just thought straight away well, Fiorini sort of probably takes that spot. I mean, they are different players, that's for sure. One's accumulated, one's sort of uh, got a lot of pressure, but there's not a lack of pressure in that midfield group. And um, I'm just thinking, especially with Tuke, I just reckon he's an absolute star and can run both ways, both attacking and defensive. But I was thinking straight away, Fiorini, you beauty, you've just got a path and they'll pick a kid instead. But Constable there has me worried for Fiorini. Oh, look, we've, look, we love Fiorini. He, he just produces when he's on the park. But he's like uh, he, he's like so many of those guys like Dunstan and that. They have their limitations when they're on the park and have the role. They're, they're great. But we see these guys year in, year out. They, they could be in, they could be out one week. I think, he, you know, he played good footy at the end. Like, there's no doubt about it. But sometimes it was some, a bit more arse than class. Would you oh, keep him? So you you had a keeper mm. keeper of 10, 10 players, 12 teams, so 120 mark. Are you keeping Fiorini? I reckon I might. I reckon mm. I might. He, um, he, it'll be interesting to see where he goes in drafts. Yeah, his average is so high that yeah. I, I think he's one that gets picked up much earlier than what his job security would suggest he, he should, <laughs> if that makes sense. So that's why I've got that sort of debate, and he's in a couple of mine where we're looking about the 120 mark, and I'm going, oh, it just feels a little bit uncomfortable. He was my 15th player picked, so, you know, between the, the 140 and 150. I'd be more than happy to keep him. Once he gets 12, do you, do you actually go a kid? Do you keep a Will Phillips ahead of him who you know is going to be a very good player, Tommy Powell, uh, Elijah Holland, who's yet to play a game but is going to be a superstar? 
they probably give you better return than Fiorini because he may get a high score, but he may only play 12 to 15 games. Well, actually, depending on what the next the player I'll mention's status is, you got a good argument between him and Sam Flanders, his teammate, in, in oh, yeah. the same team. Well, I know we're both like Flanders, but if he just carries midfield position, he might not be all that next year. And, and when you think... Um, who are you giving midfield time to? Fiorini, Constable, or Flanders? I like the look of Flanders. Yeah, but he might be the fourth cab. Like, you'd have to expect it'll be Miller and uh, Rowley in there first. Probably Anderson can... Well, he can play anywhere, probably, but I would have thought they'd want him in there anyway because their wings are covered. Yep. Yep. Certainly have. They've got three quite good wings now. So, just luxury of riches at, at my, your, and our it's gonna, sons. Yeah, it's going to click one day. Absolutely. But anyway, we are talking sleepers. The hidden names come draft day. We are stashing away right now. We're looking to pick them up late. This isn't late round pickups. These are sleepers. They're guys who have maybe not been draft relevant before. Uh, very under the radar. Yeah, Stato's whistling going, holy shit, I know who I've picked. Because uh, he doesn't understand the word sleepers. doesn't understand the word sleepers. But why don't you give us the first one uh, as we talk some fantasy football whilst we're all thinking about the Ghislaine case. Yeah, maybe I should have dug a bit deeper then. I've probably gone for value picks um, potentially rather than the, the true word sleepers. So forgive me for that, Steve Owen listeners. But I think these two names have been names we've had before, but they really dropped off the radar. One for last season and the other one for the last couple of seasons. And the first one is Josh Dacos because the salary cap hype is going to be all about Nick Dacos. But Josh Dacos dropped 16 points from his previous season. So it was almost unfieldable uh, for a forward player, which he got that status halfway through the year. He started as a mid-only, an average low 70s. So he was unfieldable as a midfielder and was just fieldable as a forward. And we thought he was going to take the next step, but the reality was he had an interrupted preseason. He came into round one and only scored 19 points but he was able to return from that minor injury and actually get back and play round two and played a total of 17 games. So not every game he had two injury interruptions, one pre-season and one mid-season. But there is a new coach, a new opportunity, and I think he has the game to make through the midfield as he can play both the inside and outside role. Now you must remember Scott Penalty, uh, Scott Pendleby, Scott Pendlebury, and still side bottom are heading for more support roles, and who knows what's going to happen with the going. And then there is no doubt that round four injury to Taylor Adams, and he could quite easily be in the top three midfielders in this team whilst holding forward status for the season. So I think the likely midfield rotations, to be honest, if everyone's available, is Adams will start number one, their number one midfielder. Pendlebury, although I do believe he's going to play bit roles around the ground, so he could be a dual position 
option later in the season for the competitions that add uh, positions. Josh Dacos at three and Pat Lipinski at four. They're my top four. With a forward who is averaging 71 last year, I believe he is a high 80s, early 90s because he's predominantly playing midfield role inside, outside, and could even go higher than that. So previous year was at 87 uh, with a bit more outside mid-roll. I think he's early 90s. Your thoughts, Steve? I'm not a huge Josh Dacos guy. Um, Which will make him value. Yeah, I can see it. Look, I can see it. I like the pick. He was probably my favourite of your your sleepers in in the the true sense of the word because he'd be buried. I just hate that Collingwood midfield. I hate it. They're like, oh, this could be the rotation. They had an am- amazing amount of players go through there last year. It was yep. right up there with the Suns for, I think, the most midfielders who went through there in the, the competition. And you're bringing in a guy like, you mentioned Lipinski. I think that's a great call. He'll get game there. Josh Dacos will get game there. Nick Dacos will get game there. you got McRae. you got all these guys. I We don't know about the goey. Um there's, there's certainly room out there on the wing with um, Maine retiring. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't. Know. He'll be late, so whatever. He's a, he's a good dart throw, I guess. He certainly showed some chops two years ago. Yeah, and I don't think he's going to be picked up in the in the first ten to twelve rounds either. That's why I think he's a he's a bit of a sleeper. So he's actually got the potential of having that forward status of actually being a top ten forward. Oh, so you think he'll come in as a forward? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a yeah, no, no doubt pick then. That's yeah, that's fine. Yep. So he's going to get midfield time, and he's going to have forward status. And he's we've already seen him average eighty-seven, which makes him very relevant as a forward. But last year, and the data is going to have him on that little board, around that low seventies. He's going to be quite late in the draft, unless he has one of those straight into the midfield pre-season game and you're drafting after a pre-season game and he's blitzed and got a, got you a big ton, like a Jordan Clark did. That's the only thing that could take him away from being, you know, good sleeper value. Uh, and the fact that the forward... If, if he, I was working under the assumption he wouldn't get forward status, but if he gets it, he, um, I think just because of the sheer pissiness of the yep, <laughs> what we absolutely. expect the forward list to look like, people might just rank him in the top 30 anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, he's going to be around that sort of mark. But when are you taking, you know, your your third forward? Me, probably round. Yeah, it's yeah, it's probably between eight and twelve. I would have thought. Yep. yep. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to start with a guy who will not be going in round eight and twelve. And that is Braden Campbell of the Sydney Swans. Had a massive salary cap hype uh, heading into the last year with the uh, the devastation that is his uh, kicking foot. Played the eight games, only scored, uh, only averaged the 52-54 supercoach. Did have a massive score in round two against the Adelaide Crows, who I think is a super interesting team for next year. I'm really keen to see what Adelaide put together, but... 
I digress. He had the 96 and 118. Now, the, the thing I like is I'm opportunity king. We just spoke about it in terms of uh, draftees coming in. There is all the opportunity in the world for a guy who plays outside and in Sydney's back line. Jordan Dawson's gone. We know he played wing, but he still gets the outside ball and kicks it a lot. Georgie Hewitt's off to Carlton. Stata loves him as a top-ten defender. So there is everything, everything there for Braden Campbell. Uh, we know kicking skills are coveted by the Sydney Swans and the league in general as it shifts to a more outside game in particular. So can he push into that uh, bottom end of your, your forward uh, defenders list? I think he can, whether that's uh, what that means. I, I don't know, but I'm certainly very, very interested uh, to pick up Braden Campbell late. The only problem I have with this one is I rate the player. I think he's going to be a star. I don't think there's any debate about that. But he's always been a player, even through his junior career, it's quality over quantity. And this is where I have that drama, how long does that take? But but I will cover this, that Patrick Dangerfield was always uh, quality over quantity in his junior career, and it took him five, six maybe even his seventh season to finally break out. And the, the early fantasy podcasts um, used to call him Danger Mouse because he was always going to burn you. He was just never going to get you the scores. So always the hype, but never never actually being worthwhile, never being fieldable. So I wonder if that is the type of career he's going to have, where the quality, his highlight reel is going to be superb, but the amount of footy he gets is never enough to actually crack it into an on-field position. In saying that, my mind's always thinking of the keeper and I'm thinking as a, as a keeper value, um, he is not one that's going to be high on the radar, but I think, and it'll be a long wait, I think this will be a bit of a slow burn. Once, it, once he gets his body right, um, his confidence right, uh, and starts playing the real key role, uh, he may get enough footy to be a star in, in defence because that's where I think he's going to be. So my only concern is whether he can become a fantasy star as early as his second year. Well, I don't think he's going to be a star. I'm not saying he's going to be a top 20 defender by any stretch, but I think there's enough opportunity down there. There's enough ball. Let's say he gets the kick-ins. Let's say he wins the kick-in job. Yep. That's a thing. I think teams are looking to have more than... I liken defence to rucks now, right? So teams are moving away from one ruck to go to two rucks. And I think teams that have only one main weapon out of defence are going to find themselves um, in a jam. Like, look at Brisbane, right? Daniel Rich is an amazing player, right? But they, I would have thought they need more options coming out of defence... Yeah, maybe fair. I'm wrong. I, I don't know. But I just think Sydney maybe could go down that path uh, as well. The, the opportunity for him is the Dawson move out of the club because no doubt Dawson was their best kick. So all of a sudden Campbell becomes their best kick. So maybe they are looking for him um, more than they are looking for Lloyd. So Lloyd was the link-up player. Maybe they try and... Maybe he becomes the, the handball receive specialist. Well, I, I don't know how that works. That's, um, you know, as Sydney get better, 
maybe that opportunity becomes lessened. I, I don't know. They're obviously a club on the rise, so uh, we'll see. We'll see how it pays out, but you can mm. certainly pick him in round 22 and, and see how that shakes out. Stato, who's your second player? Well, um, Steve's going to call me out, and I think probably fair enough that this guy's not a sleeper because he's been on everyone's list for a lot of times. But reality, he hasn't really been in the competition for the last two years. Um, hasn't shown as much, hasn't been in the best 22 in, in his two clubs over that time, but I think his time's now. And because, again, of uh, the amount of people he has burnt, I think he drops down the leaderboard. But to be fair, Steve's point with the sleeper model, it should be someone popping up for the first time ever. Um, so maybe I've got it wrong but I think he's worthwhile having a chat about, and that's Alex Witherden. So may seem um, odd that such a highly ranked player in the past, um, but seeing his bonus for the two years and can't make it in the best 22 in those two years, I think he's played a total of 15 games over two seasons, 2020 and 2021, but there is a changing at the guard at West Coast. In both the midfield, which I think will have an impact, and also in defence. And they effectively, both those changes and shake-ups, will help Alex Witherden. So firstly, unfortunately, Shepard looks like he might not come back. Very much a mark-kick player has gone from that defence. Hearn is returning for one last year, although the soft tissue issues are increasing, so we don't know how well his body is going to hold up. But obviously, while he is fit and playing, he is their number one kicking man out of that defence. The midfield has similar problems. So there's quite a few ageing and injured players in that, and that could take Duggan out of defence. So therefore, if Hearn is injured, Shepin and Duggan out of that mix, Widow becomes the man. So he becomes the kick mark player. He's very good at that, we know it. And he's also a pretty decent kick, so he might become the main man to do the kickouts, etc. There's a decent range of outcome here. I, I, I will say that there is a bit of risk that comes with this, but I think he is, for the first time in three seasons, a 22-game player. And likely that we should see the scoring power that we've been expecting for quite a while. He's only given us little bursts. I think for the first time, he'll give us a bit of security in games and a bit of security in scoring. And his potential, as we know from the little glimpses we've seen in his early days at Brisbane, he is a top 10 scoring defender. And I don't think that he's going to go too early in the drafts because of the last two seasons. It's interesting you've brought up Fiorini again, um, Stato, uh, just the West Coast version. Yeah, it's a fair call. It's a fair call. But all of a sudden there's opportunity here. Yeah, the way you spelled it out with Duggan being dragged into the midfield, that's interesting to me. Because uh, I hadn't considered that as a possibility, but uh, they have tried that at times. Yep. So, and, and also McGovern in defence. You know, he's no stranger to, to getting injured. Yep, absolutely. And Shuey's part of that midfield mix. We all already know Redden uh, is missing the majority of the pre-season. 
they're light on in that midfield. Yeah, that's interesting. He, uh, yeah, it'll be inter- he's, he's one of those guys, right, on draft day. He, he could go anywhere because it only takes one. Yeah, correct. As we always say. Um, I'll be interested to see where our rankings have him. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable that it's finally his time. Um, but whether that, whether that lack of defensive pressure, which I think has been what his issue has been over the last two seasons, so not that lockdown role, um, but all of a sudden their game players are going to be out, so their their ball users are going to be out, so therefore he'll get the freed up role, and and the Rothams of this world will actually do the defensive um, part of the the game plan down. Uh, down the back. Yeah, uh, look, I can't hate it. Uh, yeah, we all like his scoring. That's that's certainly certainly the thing. But just one of those guys, right? Just one of those it, guys. Absolutely. So someone else I had on uh, the list who I thought was a 50-50 sleeper slump burner. But I want to call out Cam. He rattled through um, and talking about the Essendon midfield and opportunities of where they were. And he rat, rattled through all the Essendon midfielders, but never, never mentioned McGhost. Is he no longer a midfielder at Essendon? Oh, he probably he'll probably be a winger, but I don't I don't think he's fantasy relevant to be honest. It's interesting. Yeah, he he really got there. If you look at the games he got there, look at how he got there last year for a good score, because it wasn't pretty. No. He might be but, a good player, and that's fine, but his value might be to the team and not to us. It's funny that, that they had a much better year, but two players that were so important to them the year before in the midfield just weren't around, and that's Dylan Shield and McGhost. I think Shield's reasonably easy to replace. Mm. But, they, but they got the best out of some other guys, right? Yeah, no doubt. See, this is why so, I'm interested in what happens with Parrish. Do we all think he's just an automatic there when everyone's available? No, I, we. I think we've discussed his scoring probably takes a hit, like mm. to to where he's oh, jaggy, like he's yeah. not a jag. Obviously, he's a very good player, and I think they're better with him in there. They. Uh, this is why I don't understand why clubs hang on to guys who, um, like guys like Shield. I, I don't understand why they hang on to guys like Penelbury and Sidebottom beyond their use, like. Collingwood are rebuilding, and they might be better this year, but it's like, well, it's just going to suck up someone's spot. It's it's funny how the industry gets hooked up. Someone becomes available um, that most people rate or rate at their former club, the one they're leaving, but give up so much to get them. Now, I'm a great believer that midfielders and quality midfielders are available everywhere all the time. So you look at the, the draft that we've just had. Um, I think out of the 25, uh, the first 25 draft picks, there's, there's 15 to 16 high-quality mids. So it could be anything-style mids. And the reality is we keep looking at these midfielders who we all think have got a game about them that can't get a game at AFL level. Uh, Dunstan's a classic example, can play... Limited games this season and get 15 votes at the Brownlow. Darcy Parrish is another one. Never could get in the midfield rotation. How much did Essendon give up by bringing in Dylan Shield? 
I can't remember. It was it was a bit. Yeah, big, and, big contracts, and two clubs going mega mega hard to get that man. And all they did, if you if you look, they could have fixed other issues, and just said, "No, we're going to back in Parrish and the Ghost." I would have thought Ruckman and inside mids are the most easily replaceable players. Yep. Except for your absolute superstars, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick Nad or, or or Max Gorn or, or possibly Grundy, uh, maybe a little bit harder. But there's two or three of them in the competition, full stop. But you're right. So Oscar McInerney leaves Brisbane. They could get another guy that sit there and do Oscar's job. Well, look at Tom Hickey, right? Yeah, just just went up to Sydney, played good footy. It's it's fine. It's, yep, absolutely. Oh, anyway, whatever. I want to talk about another sleeper. I've got LDU from North Melbourne. Had a solid-ish year last year with the 20 games played. In, averaged 81 AFL Fantasy and 85 Supercoach. Really picked up in the second half of the year. Put together some really nice scores, especially in your Supercoach format. We always like seeing good second-half form. Uh, it is almost hitting to the, towards that um, to his prime, like he's had a number of pre-seasons under his belt. Uh, so whilst North Melbourne look like their midfield's jam-packed and there's no way anyone could get in there, there's actually a fair bit of outside ball uh, that's become a, available at North Melbourne through the departures of Attlee and Dumont. Um, Dumont, you, you know, pretty... He's always a waiver wire pickup for us because he's usually reliable for an 80-plus score, has that midfield status. And that's kind of the role LDU was playing last year. It was more outside than in, which I think North Melbourne kind of need um, a bit of quality on the outside. He's been a very slow burn. I'll be the first to admit that. But he played some pretty good footy last year. Uh, they have got Taran Thomas Stato, who uh, is the absolute goal-kicking midfield jet who we love to see but he's not going to be a sleeper he's not going to be a sleeper everyone we all love Taran and uh he's a great player I think LDU can kind of take that next step he doesn't need to do much a mark two kicks 90 plus and that's very rosterable and I'll just throw this out teams don't often finish last two years in a row I think North Melbourne fans should be excited about what's happening can I roll back to that point in a second? But um, it's funny. It feels like we've been waiting like a decade for this guy to finally break out. But the reality is he's only played four seasons of footy. He's only played 50 games. This is when you actually start making your move. So I'm, I'm really... And it's his first game or first season that he's played more than 15 games in a season. It's, it's quite remarkable that the reality is we've felt like he should have been a superstar from the start, but he's, and I, I'd love to see the sort of the old breakout tracker model on, on how he's really tracking. But this is the fifth, fifth season is normally the one where you smash it out. The guy is early 22. So he's still 22 when he starts this season. So he's every chance, and and let's the, the interesting one is the Hugh Greenwood pick. I mean, everyone can say bad news for 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 Gold Coast, and the optics don't look good, but I'm really interested with 
North's thought process with it too. Um, I think they need help forward, not help in the midfield. I, I want these kids just go. So Jai Simpkin, I think he's sixth, seventh year. It's time for him to be the the number one guy, and LDU in his fifth year should be the number two guy. And then it's just rattling through the um, the different crew that you're building in the Will Phillips, the the Tom Powell, etc. Get all those high quality kids, get them game time into them, and they'll grow quickly. Yeah, it's interesting. We sort of talked about that last week. Uh, you're obviously heard the word optics mentioned and uh it didn't look great but uh, we we sort of discussed maybe they know more about what what, we don't know what's going to happen to cunnington right look we we don't want to talk about it it sucks it's fucking horrible um but i'd say they're they're preparing for for bad you know yeah they're being prepared Why, why why wouldn't they be they're here to win games, right? Um, so as as fantasy coaches, we can be prepared. And I just, I think he's the more inside-outside guy. I think he's like Andy Brayshaw where he can he's not going to be the one and two inside. He can play both and, and start to collect the ball. Hugh Greenwood can't win the outside ball. We know this. Yeah. So that, that's where I am with, with LDU. And I think now now's go time. If it's um, if it doesn't happen this year, it's kind of you're a jag, and that's yeah, and that, yeah. Or, fifth or just, season's a good opportunity. Yeah, the, well, the opportunity is going to be there for him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll be interested to see if if um, Bonner actually gets a shot in that midfield too, because he's another one of those big body, hundred and eighty eight centimeters. Whether he's another guy that will uh, they'll give a crack there, but they've got LDU, they've got. Um, um, Jed Godison, they've got Jai Simpkin, um, and then they've got the the young boys I was talking about, and Powell and Phillips and Lorazo is another one um, that I've actually been quite impressed with. Of course, you've got Polak on the outside, whether they use him um, much this season. And then you've got um, Taran, of course. You've got Jaden Stevenson. Um, you can bring back Zebel back through the midfield if you really want to uh, as another big body. So they've got a fair bit that can roll through there. Um, so, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if LDU can step up uh, along with Jai Simpkin as, as the two mainstays. And they're different players too, which is the important thing. Yeah, I would have backed in Simpkin. His second half was pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Um, the next piece I want to roll back to was the point you made. So you're right, it's not too often teams uh, win the wooden spoon um, back-to-back. So who do you think is the prime candidate for North to jump next oh. year? Yeah, i got no idea, man. <laughs> i got no idea. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, oh, sorry, it's December 1, so everyone's, in, everyone's, everyone's on the up. Everyone's on the yep. up and up. Just like everyone in that draft, 200 games, can't miss Superstar. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just like, I saw someone do their draft grades, and I think every grade was like B minus or above. It's like, dude, uh, some of these guys <laughs> are going to totally fucking whiff, yeah. right? Yeah. I just yeah. want to see the article, everyone lost the draft. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 
Yeah, no, it, it's it's amazing how we uh, and, and look, you do you you look at all these picks, and I, I looked at Frio with pick twenty one and getting uh, Johnston, and thinking what a great pick up at twenty one. But you then you had some really expected sort of top twenty picks getting picked in the thirties and forties, and you think my. God, there's some talent in this draft. So you get all lost in it. You think, oh, yeah, no, he's great, he's great, he's great. But the reality is they haven't played at the highest level yet, so you don't know uh, exactly if they're going to have all the tools to get through, which includes confidence, which is such an important thing when you're talking elite sport. Well, and what if you're a midfielder drafted to the Bulldogs or GWS? It's like, well, welcome to the twos for three or four years at best. Oh, and and this is this is the case. So this is a bit of warning to to people. So Finn Callahan gets picked up at pick three to GWS, uh, and he's got some great tools. So don't get me wrong. This guy is going to be a star. But who are they kicking out? He's got the capability of being an inside and outside midfielder with great traits, uh, great skills, really good endurance, and a bit of pace. But who's he kicking out of that? those rotations, both the inside and outside part of it. Yeah. I mean, Tom Green can barely get a game. Yeah. So it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Talk about um, the incumbent. You talk about the incumbent state. That matters from the yeah. outside. It seems it does anyway. And it's the right pick for, for GWS. He was high-level talent. No doubts about that. So, um, yeah, it's the right pick that... Any other club sort of sitting there would have picked him there. The problem is they've got so much high quality through that midfield. They're, they're lacking in a few other areas. Yeah, it's interesting, man. And like I was reading an article about how GWS won uh, X, X draft a few years ago. The, the top two picks were Jai Caldwell and Hately. Neither of them are there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And one no, of them's man. not even, well, actually, between them. Between them, they played three games of footy last year. No, no, actually, Hately did get a few late. Can we talk about that? Because I wanted to talk about Hately. I'm intrigued by the Adelaide Crows. We were sort of talking, I was like, I wanted to do Shoal, but they got guys coming back. And it's like, I wanted to do Hately, but they got guys coming back. I think they're a really interesting team. Uh, Bring in Darren Burgess, the guru, uh, as fitness coach, can we see someone like a Darcy Fogarty um, really kick it into gear? He's, he's been around a while. There's, you know, good personality. Tom's out the door, so there's certainly opportunity there. You know, I, I just think it's a really interesting team. We had Laird absolutely brain it through the midfield. Matt Crouch, who knows what's going on there. Miller, it's it's a wild team. It is, and. I don't think they're light on midfielders. So I don't know what happens with Rory Sloan, but if he's at really good fitness, it's not as if you're skipping him through your midfield group. Uh, one I like is Luke Pedler. Um, I think he might get a, a bit of a forward mid status early, but um, he was absolutely superb at his draft. He's doing his second pre-season now. I think he'll be close to, if not 20 years of age by the time the season starts. Ben Keyes, he's finally getting off a rookie list. Um, he's had two superb seasons. I don't think they're going to drop away. Matt Crouch is interesting. Schoenberg, 
uh, of course, um, playing his third season last year, really come home. Uh, he's a smaller type. He's only 180. Um, but then you've got Haitley. Now, Haitley's 190 centimetres. He is a big-body midfielder. But it looks like um, they've all been trying to play him as an outside role. I don't think that's his bag. I think he's an inside-outside. So I think with the, with the 180 and um, pretty big boy that he is, he should be bursting through. Um, and then they've added... Um, high quality but a, a smallish type player in Zach Taylor through the draft and they got him as an absolute bargain um, should have been um, mid first round I think they got him uh, at third round draft pick so they've got a real bargain there and this is before you add in all your little small so I'm actually looking at that club going and so we haven't I haven't mentioned um, Rory Laird I haven't mentioned Lockie Shoal I haven't mentioned Brody Smith um, they're the type of players. That's a lot of midfielders I just went through, both inside and outside. But that's a lot of players to try and sneak in a, a small. And Sam Berry as well, I thought was really quite impressive. So um, how does a, um, a Chase Jones get into that squad? The only thing he could probably play for them is a lockdown small forward or a lockdown small defender. You hate to see it, Stato. Yeah, I remember Dossie telling me that he's going to be a, a fantasy superstar. It's, his life's probably going to be a lockdown. We've ne- no one's no one's ever made a bad call like Dossie. No, <laughs> when, when he's not on the show, when he's not on the show. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I was looking about your wooden spoon. Who, I don't know. Could you see some Kilda being shit again? Yeah, I, there, there might be a surprise. Look, Hawks, mind you, Hawks. well, West Coast if they had. Injury to yeah. four to six key players might really drop off the cliff because I don't think they've got a lot of depth. But if they keep everyone fit, they're going to probably play finals. Yeah, which is crazy. which. It, it is a little bit weird. Um, how does everything roll out for Richmond uh, again? I mean, are, are they on the slide down or on the bounce back really quickly? So it, it's funny. We we all look at hindsight. When's when's the cliff coming for? Geelong. So we talk about four to six injuries for West Coast. What happens if they lose a couple of their superstars? So they really drop away because they haven't been bleeding, um, breeding the, the young fellas through the list. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I was sort of looked at Jack Henry as well. Like he, he was impressive uh, down back in that second half of the year. Stato. Tom Tom Stewart seems like he's fit, but yeah, there, there's a lot of question marks. It shows how even the competition is, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, I will say when I was looking at the the sleepers as well is I looked at Collingwood's midfield and went, whoa, I remember this midfield being arguably the best in the competition. Yeah, but yeah, five years ago. There's not a lot of depth in there. No. No, that's but I look at their back line, I'm like, that back line's so good. Still. Yes. So that's where they'll build. So I, I yep. kind of th- no, see they, they can experiment through the midfield. And Anyway, we've waffled, man. We've waffled. We have, as we do. God bless it. It's like a game of basketball. One-on-one, a lot of dribbling. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right, listeners. We deliberately didn't open the questions up this week because of uh, the AFL draft and uh, you'd have questions about Ben Hobbs. 
who I've, I've oh, never yeah. heard of. I've never heard strong, of. Strong inside midfielder. They, Dime a dozen, though. Stato. Inside yeah. midfielder. <laughs> yeah. Like Charlie Constable, inside midfielder. He's yeah. had a lot of opportunities. But no, 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 he is. He, um, some people rated him probably in the top five to six. Um, I prefer when I'm when I'm drafting is is not go the the one trickers. I prefer someone that's got the balance of the inside outside, so uh, has got the the pace and skills where they can play an outside role until they work themselves into an inside role. So I, I think it's really tough. So Josh Kennedy, his first year, he didn't dominate. In fact, it wasn't until he got traded out. Um, that he got the opportunity to play an inside role. So it does take time because there's quite a few good inside midfielders. And that's Patrick Cripp's problem, isn't it? He's an inside midfielder. Well, he can't win the outside ball. I should say he mm. doesn't win the outside ball. Yeah. Yeah. He can still break games open, but the reality is he is an inside midfielder. Yeah, I think that's why you see guys like him and Nat Pfeiffer great at supercoach and you know, the M3 in AFL Fantasy. Yeah. At their best. Yes. Spot on. So, anyway, interesting. Interesting chats. Uh, Listener League. We've promised the live draft. Uh, the, uh, was it Omnicrom? Shit, I don't yeah, know. Omnicrom. Pump, yeah, we're pump, getting shed on again. Pump up your uh, Pfizer stocks here. <laughs> yeah, get vaccinated, people. And uh, when you're eligible, get your booster shot. Get there your you booster go. shots three three weeks later. Get to yeah. boost. Just keep boosting weekly booster shots. With with every plug, I buy another share. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll fucking do it. I don't care. Omicron or not, or Voltron. I don't care. It's it's on. We'll do it outdoors. We'll yeah. find a park with a liquor license. It's fine. <laughs> so uh, we'll find a way. Anyway, listeners, thank you very much, and we'll see you next week for Burnman. Woof. We'll have to bring Jono back. Thanks for listening to the Draft Doctors Podcast. For more tips and in-depth analysis, head over to thedraftdoctors.com.au.